0: This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Politics, 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 politics. Hello and welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for August 3rd, 2022. I'm back, back from Europe, back from London. Amsterdam. Two cities in Germany. Shout out to Deutschland. But there is no place like home, ladies and gentlemen, and that is where we find ourselves. And not just any home. No, 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 no. We are within 100 days of a major United States election, which means it's officially time to washer in the 2022 edition of Wait! Now, on this edition of the program, we are not only going to cover the wackiest Donald Trump endorsement of all time, we will also go over what the hot hell is happening in Pennsylvania where Dr. Oz is melting against John Fetterman. We will be joined by Sarah Rumpf of Mediaite to talk about something that I have a love-hate relationship with. Third parties, specifically the Forward Party, they have officially now added a few big names from the Republican and Democratic Party to flank its founder, Andrew Yang. We discussed that with Sarah and much more. But first was the day before the GOP primary election in Missouri and the candidates were all prepared to face the public. But one jolly man had yet to appear. Despite promising an endorsement in the show me state, Donald Trump had not yet made a call. Well, he might not have said who was nice, but he certainly had a list of one for the naughty category. It was an anti-endorsement for Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. He said she was too weak. This has been a three-person race. Hartzler. Eric Schmidt, the former attorney general, and Eric Greitens, the former governor, whom on this program we have spent quite a bit of time talking about. In case you're wondering... Because maybe, I don't know, maybe you haven't listened to it. A lot of people are starting to tune into politics these days, so maybe you're not a regular listener to the show. Here's the short, short, short version on Griden's. He was forced out of the Missouri governor's mansion on the back of a sex scandal where he was engaged in various adulterous interactions with his hairdresser. That ended in alleged revenge porn. His wife at the time stood by him through all of it until she divorced him and more recently accused him of abusing her and one of their sons. Meanwhile, Schmidt is the establishment pick. He's the one that Mitch McConnell wants. Greitens is the kind of damn-the-torpedoes MAGA populace that Trump usually loves. You'd think that this would be a slam dunk. So, baby, 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 with 24 hours to go, who gets the rose? Here's the email. I'm going to read it for you dramatically here. Sent August 1st, 2022. From Donald John Trump's listserv, it says, Missouri Senate endorsement. There is a big... Election in the great state of Missouri, and we must send a MAGA champion and true warrior to the U.S. Senate. Somebody who will fight for border security, election integrity, our military, and great veterans. Together with having a powerful toughness on crime and the border, we need a person who will not back down to the radical left lunatics who are destroying our country. I trust the great people of Missouri, on this one, to make up their own minds, much as they did when they gave me landslide victories in 2016 and 2020. And I am therefore proud to announce that Eric has my
1: complete and total endorsement. Yep. Eric. E-R-I-C, in all caps.
0: Just Eric. No last name, despite the fact that there's two Erics with a C in this race. Eric Schmidt, Eric Greitens. Just Eric.
1: And he's serious.
0: Trump called both Erics and said that they had his endorsement. He also didn't tell him that he was going to endorse the other Eric. Both went to social media, both proclaimed the win, and when all is said and done, Schmidt won, ending Greitens' quixotic quest to return to the national political stage for now. Now, if that endorsement had come solely to Greitens, if it had happened a little bit earlier, maybe things would have been different. But let's focus on how this endorsement came to be. Well, first you have to understand this. Both Erics have Trump world representation on their team. Donald Trump Jr.'s fiance, Kimberly Guilfoyle, is the national campaign chair for Greitens, which means the former governor has benefited from the social media profile of Trump Jr. himself. The decision to do the dual endorsement, And I'll tell you this, I've never seen this, ever, 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 ever from anybody. I can't remember when somebody endorsed two candidates in the same race, let alone endorsing two candidates in the same race the day before, or at least an endorsement that mattered. This is unprecedented, like many things in the world of Big Chungus are. But the decision to do it, came when Trump asked many in his own orbit during the Live Golf event in Bedminster, New Jersey, about who he needed to go with. In the room, Guilfoyle, who obviously lobbied for Greitens. On the phone, GOP party chairwoman Rona McDaniel, who lobbied for Schmidt, saying that Eric Greitens is a scandal-plagued possible sociopath. and. With a regular person, not a walking liability, Missouri is an all but assured Senate seat for the retiring Roy Blunt. The only way that you could think to give the Democrats another seat in the Senate is by nominating somebody who has vulnerabilities and being recently sued by your wife for hitting your child and her is what we like to call in the business a liability. So I read to you now from Politico, who had a TikTok on how all of this came together. Quote, as the meeting wore on, those familiar with what transpired said Trump began to lose patience. At one point, it was suggested he could endorse Eric. And by doing so, he would be supporting both Schmidt and Greitens. It was a madcap exit ramp. But Trump went in on the details, asking if the two candidates' first names were spelled identically, noting that it wouldn't work if they weren't. And while Trump was intrigued, he also remarked that it might be too cute, end quote. Obviously, he wasn't so against the cuteness. And indeed, it is adorable to make this into a love triangle walking headlong into election day. But regardless of where Gritens would land as a general election candidate, I think that there is another reality that probably influenced Donald. Because you can't look at the rest of his endorsements and not come to the assumption that his political gut would tell him to back the scandal plagued Gritens. But here's the problem. Greitens has started to look like a loser from about a month ago as more people began paying attention to the race and GOP primary voters began to maybe blanch a bit at the whole he might have beat his kid and wife thing. So if we go back to a Trafalgar group poll and remember Trafalgar group has been very effective so far at forecasting GOP turnout specifically. This is a June 28th to 30th poll. It has Schmidt one point behind Greitens. So that's the end of June. We are now at the beginning of August. In their most recent survey, from July 30th to August 1st, Grighton sits at 21% with Schmidt at 34 That's a 13-point lead that Schmidt has opened up based on the same pollster looking at the same group of people. That's important. That shows momentum, which brings us to a little metagaming when it comes to examining Trump's endorsements in big primaries. By far, his biggest failure was against Brian Kemp in Georgia. We went and covered that race in person. He bet early with his upset candidate and lost. In the Ohio and Pennsylvania Senate races, he endorsed about a month out from Election Day with enough time for a rally and to see a swing in the polls in both, which he won. But something else happened in Pennsylvania. Trump endorsed Doug Mastriano for governor at the last minute. He was running far ahead of his competition. It was looked at a little bit weird because in general, endorsements are about the endorser flexing their political muscle to the endorsey, at least when you're coming from Trump's position. You want to demonstrate that you have political utility. It's a way that you can remain useful in a world where you do not sit in an office. All powers, future power, that while not the power of being president is still indeed power. But Trump likes to play his own game, right? And part of what Trump does is argue with the media. He knows that if he loses a race, then the story will be Trump in Dorsey loses or Trump loses proxy battle with blank. So padding the resume now becomes something that he cares about. In fact, caring about his record might be the only reason why Trump didn't wade into this race earlier. And it explains why he wanted to get on last minute to cherry pick a win with Mastriano in Pennsylvania. Put simply, the move to endorse Greitens, if that's what he wanted to do, would have been a month ago, just as his poll numbers began to soften. The move for Schmidt, if Trump wanted to do that, would have been to either do it then effectively killing the Greitens campaign or to do what he did with Mastriano, and just tag himself at the very, very end. The way that this happened, I don't think the endorsement helped anybody. Although technically, it will almost assuredly give Trump half a win, which is probably what he's happy to settle for when he argues with the media on how important his endorsement is. Oh yeah gang, we're making a few changes around here We got a new bumper music for the Donors Club up front We're putting the ad break up a little earlier Because I want to let you guys know that there is urgency there is urgency to our condition right now. This is no longer the three months where I had to talk about the Build Back Better negotiations. This is no longer when we have to, to play fantasy land about uh, this and that. Well, We're not talking about uh, Governor Cuomo anymore. We're not talking about a recall. We're not talking about the New York City mayor's election. That was child's play. Because this right now begins an unbroken two year, uh, two year and a and hundred days run where we get into the meat of our political calendar. That was the dark side of the moon, but we are rounding the bend. These midterms matter. The people that are going to win matter. These races will tell us a lot about a rapidly shifting coalition, both on the Republican and on on the Democratic side. It will tell us everything we need to know about the modern Democratic establishment. Exactly how well will that hold up? How will this reflect on President Biden if his numbers continue to be in the toilet? And then, of course, we get no rest right after these midterms. Oh, no, not in our modern world. We're not even going to have the House called by the time that we see legit movements by people that want to run for president. I say all that to say this. If there was ever a time that you would like to get double the episodes that you normally get for free of politics, 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 now is the time. This is it. I guarantee you we are going to be moving into a cycle where things are going to happen in the gaps between when we do our Wednesday show and when we do our Friday show. You're going to want that Monday show wherein we go over all of the Sunday talk shows. You're going to want that Thursday late edition because that is when, you know, we really don't, have any place to 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 cover things that 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 break that late in the week, guys? This is it, and there's only one place where you can get that, and that is takepoliticsseriously.com. If you head on over there. And you support us at the $3 level. You get a custom RSS feed. You put it into the podcatcher of your choice. You never have a, a the need for a username or a password or to log in. It's never going to change. You just pop it right in there. It shows up with all your other podcasts. It could not be simpler. And let me thank everybody who is already a patron of this program. Because I went on vacation for three weeks. And you have no idea the anxiety, unless you are a content creator, what it feels like to put your heart and soul into making sure that you guys get content every single day on some level, whether it's this podcast, the Twitch streams, the, the free political newsletter, whatever it is. I'm always thinking about what I need to do for you guys today to be able to take myself out of that frame of mind for three weeks and more importantly, come back and have one person added to the Patreon. You guys had faith in me. You guys had faith in our guests, Andrew Heaton, our guests, Tom Merritt, our guests, Bill Sher. that they would continue to provide with that content and lo, they did. Salute to you. You are smart. You are wise. You already have access to this expanded content. Do you want to join them? Because I believe now's the time. Take politics seriously. All right, I'm going to be clear here. I still think that Dr. Oz has a good chance as any to win his Senate race against John Fetterman in November. I think this because I think it's going to be hard for Democrats to win this November. I think that the Democratic nominee, Fetterman, just had a stroke and his campaign, if you watch his vaunted social media campaign, which I think is very good, something that sticks out to me is that during his ads, they cut away from him or they they have coverage or they just cut to another take after almost every sentence. And the reason why is because I think if they just let him talk in longer, extemporaneous paragraphs, that he would begin to sound like a guy who I don't know had a stroke. I don't say this to, to make fun of him or point it out. I do think that it is a political liability. And yet. We get, as I record this on Tuesday, a new Pennsylvania Senate poll from Center Street Political Action Committee. It's got Dr. Mehmet Oz at 38% and John Fetterman at 52. That is a plus 14 for Mr. Fetterman. Beefy. Now that poll as of now is an outlier. But it is indicative of a larger trend showing Fetterman with a stable lead over Oz. So take that and go ahead and pair it with some frustration leaking out of the National Party. This is a scoop from Puck News. Although Oz faced a brutal, exhaustive, and expansive primary against David McCormick, seasoned political professionals tell me that Oz should have been filling that vacuum once Fetterman got sick, with rallies, events, advertising, handshaking, door knocking, and mainly, you know, campaigning. Instead, around the time of the recount, Oz spent part of his time in Pennsylvania and the other part of his time in Palm Beach, Florida, till at least June 9th, waiting it out and doing some fundraising. His first post-primary event was June 10th. And then at the end of June, Oz flew to Europe, specifically to Ireland, to see family until early July, end quote. You know, this was around the time that Michael Cohen and I were on this program joking about how Oz should be doing free heart health checkups at every event in every county in Pennsylvania. Now, I don't know if Oz fumbling the first part of this general election race is going to matter. I want to underline that. I I, I do think that right now the smart betting play is as Oz looks incompetent now to buy up some of that stock. Because I do think that the fundamentals are against the Democrats in a major way. Because we still have, I mean, we may be in a recession now. We are possibly in layoff territory by the time that election day comes around. And that is going to be a tremendously hard uh, place for somebody who is as liberal as John Fetterman to be able to win. Remember, people begin to look, not nerds like us, regular people, normal people begin to tune into politics around where we are now, 100 days out. More than that will tune in and 50 days out, and most will tune in within two weeks from the election. However, this does show the danger of the celebrity candidate, or at least what we used to assume the celebrity candidate would behave like. While the most successful example of a celebrity candidate is obviously Donald Trump, who was unique in his ability to be a maniac on the campaign trail, holding several massive rallies a day, the long history of actors and television personalities throwing their hat in the ring tells the exact opposite story. In short, they're lazy. And to be even blunter, if you were as famous as they were, you'd be lazy too. They've been very successful in being liked. And they, I can't blame them, tend to trust their instincts. They don't need to do every pancake breakfast at 5 a.m. That's for student council president nerds. Y'all have to do that. I'm a rich and famous person. People want to be around me. I don't need to scrounge and and, and rub every little weird baby's head. The celebrity tends to want to make less appearances because they can make the few ones they do work for them more than the average politician who comparatively is a charisma void. Why do they think that? Because they are them. And you're not. I thought with Oz that he might be a little bit different because, you know, being a daytime television show host, you do have a bit of a more intense schedule than let's say a movie actor does. And he also was doing surgeries at his old hospital and stuff like that. But I'm not sold on Oz's ability to turn into a campaign trail monster. Say what you will about politicians, and I've said most of it, but the one thing for which you can never take away from them is that they are up at 3 o'clock in the morning. They look about as good as a human being can look. By the time that they got their first event at 5 they are shaking hands. They are being very charismatic, or at least very charismatic for them. And then they go do four more events. When I'm out on the trail covering, it's exhausting to hit three events from different campaigns, let alone the five that some of these maniacs do in a single day when they are in the home stretch of a campaign. Does Oz have that in them? He certainly didn't at the beginning of this general. But again, the looming recession and an unpopular president, it might not matter. He will have an opportunity to win. The question is, does he want it? Last week in the Washington Post, conservative former Congressman Dave Jolly, Christine Todd Whitman, the former governor of New Jersey, and Andrew Yang announced the forming of the new Forward Party. Quote, we're merging our three national organizations, which represent the left, right, and center of the political spectrum, to build the launchpad for a new political party called Forward The two major parties have hollowed out the sensible center of our political system, even though that's where most voters want to see them move. A new party must stake out the space in between. On every issue facing this nation, from the controversial to the mundane, we can find a reasonable approach that most Americans agree on. So what did vaunted Democratic strategist James Carville think about this?
1: I think in a a nation awash in really stupid ideas,
0: this stands out as a really stupid idea. Uh, Ralph Nader basically elected George W. Bush in 2000, Jill Stein basically elected Donald Trump in 2016, and the only possible thing this could do is bleed some moderate Republicans off of voting for whoever the Democratic nominee is. This thing is going nowhere. It's it's vanity. It's he. Look at me. It's performance art. And I, I, I'm to say the least. I'm not a fan of this effort. You know, it's something editorial writers and pontificators like. But that's about it. Yeah, not a fan. Funny when when Carville mentions third parties and how they elected people. He skipped the one in. 1992, right when the most successful person from a third party ran in a political election and his candidate won. Anyway, here to talk about the Forward Party and so much more is our friend from Mediaite, the one, the only Sarah Rumpf. Welcome back to the program, Sarah.
1: Thanks for having me. Good to be here.
0: I found that clip that we just played, the the Carville clip, because it was on your. Twitter account. And before we started recording, you, you pointed <laughs> out that you have a, a, a very recent history in the world of, of independent politics. Can you please explain to everybody uh, your resume here?
1: Um, well, before I got into journalism, I spent quite a number of years being a traveling gnome on the campaign trail um, in both Florida and Texas. I worked on a congressional campaign. In Massachusetts, I've wandered around a little bit. And in the 2016 election, um, if you have followed me at all on Twitter, you know that I am not and have never been and will never be a fan of Donald Trump. I am one of the OG permanent etched in stone, never Trumpers. And in 2016, I signed up for the uh, independent pres- presidential campaign of former CIA agent Evan McMullen, who is now running for Senate in Utah. So Um, I was the digital communications director for that three months. tilting at windmills,
0: <laughs> <the> campaign, <laughs> which, which the idea there and, and correct me if I'm wrong or my memory doesn't serve me was uh, with Donald Trump, not particularly popular in Utah where, where McMullen had his power base and mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton, certainly not being very popular in Utah. Right. That The idea of you know, McMullen winning might've been, you know, even more far-fetched than, than your optimistic band of uh, uh, plucky misfits might've thought, but winning Utah Seem to be an ambitious but possibly doable goal.
1: Yeah, and there were various polls at different points that showed us within actual grasping. Right now, the very blunt assessment of the fate of third party and independent candidates in the United States it is very, very difficult to get on the ballot. That is one of the ongoing absolute furious frustrations I have with the libertarian party because they've managed to get on the ballot, but then they, uh, they end up nominating candidates that just, you know, jam their own feet in their mouth. What's Aleppo? Um, <laughs> it's very difficult to get on the ballot. If we had like six months before and it had, had more ballot access, it might've been a different kind of scenario. Um, But the idea was that not that he would get a majority of electoral college votes, but that he would scoop up a couple and that that would be enough to prevent either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump from getting the majority, which then throws it to the House of Representatives and hoping that Then at that point, the makeup of of the various um, representatives from the states would have been majority Republican control and hoping that the majority of them would prefer to avoid the chaos of a Trump presidency and and give give them give the country a second chance to avoid this. Um, And obviously they would want to avoid a Clinton presidency because they're Republicans. It was a very long shot idea. There were a couple of things that, that changed the electoral fortunes drastically. When the Access Hollywood tape came out, um, we got a bump in fundraising and media attention and a, a slight uptick in the polls. And then when the Federalist Society gave that list of Supreme Court nominees to Donald Trump and he basically promised, I will appoint just from this list um, that was, that was the good housekeeping stamp of approval that a lot of reluctant social conservative voters were looking for and got in line behind him. I, I do believe that that is the, that is the reason that he won in 2016. I don't think he gets over the finish line without that, um, both on the polling data and my own anecdotal experience, with yeah. many, many people I knew and, you know, you, 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 you see how that played out where people even now will say, well, Trump was terrible and January 6th was awful, but we got the Supreme Court and Roe versus whatever turned. So, okay, fine. I've made my deal with the devil and I'm fine with it. Um, third party campaigns are <laughs> a very uphill battle at the national level. So going back to that Carville clip and the yeah. reason that you saw me tweet it, I, I I forget exactly how I worded it, but it was something like. I hope he's wrong, but I don't think he is <laughs> well
0: number one, what is Carville going to say he's a member of 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 the democratic party and and to me while yeah. certainly in third party politics. It is often referred to as kind of the Bloods and the Crips. I do think that gang and mob warfare is an analogous point that I think you could soberly say how it works in politics. And and to me, whenever we have these existential conversations about a third party, uh, that doesn't mean a hill of beans when at the end of the day, this is a turf war. You have to go and seize yeah. corners and, and establish your stronghold because nobody in either of these two parties are going to give anybody an inch because it's for the greater good of the populace.
1: But I mean, look at look at the nonsense you have or like Peter Meyer, who is one of the few Republicans and even fewer freshmen who voted to impeach Donald Trump and by all means is a ethical, not radical guy. Yeah. And the Democrats are helping fund his super magnified opponent in the primary. And he's like, what what are you doing? Um, Your 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 metaphor about it being gang warfare is is really apt. But I would also like to maybe turn it into like a a commercial kind of capitalist um metaphor too okay. what we've got is we've got two major parties and one is saying hey we sell hamburgers and the other one is selling we saying we sell pizza and some people like hamburgers some people like pizza some prefer one to the other if you're going to open a new restaurant and say hey forget hamburger and pizza what i've got is better you can't just say i have stuff yes. i have food that you will like better. Um, I'm not going to tell you my brand name. I'm not going to tell you where I'm located. I'm not going to tell you what the prices are, but I have food and and you say that you're sick of eating only being able to choose between only hamburgers and only pizza all the time, but maybe for sushi. And like, if no one has ever had sushi before, then how do you like, how do you get them to try it? A third party can work and there's so much polling showing that people are disillusioned with both sides so that they don't like the extremism and they don't like the craziness, but you can't do it with these, like what Andrew Yang's group is doing is this vague sort of like not hamburgers or pizza, but we're not telling you what it is. You'd have to have a very well-known candidate yes. who has his own his or her own personal brand to rally around. You'd have to have a clear platform. So you're telling people, come to our restaurant and we have these specific things on the menu and this is specifically what we're going to be asking for them. And this is where we're located and this is what the rules are and this is what you'll get. If you show up to our restaurant, this is what you'll get. So forget hamburgers, forget pizza, come here and this is exactly what we are promising. I have not seen that yet. And... You know, I personally, again, I am somebody who is politically homeless right now. I don't feel like I can be any part of the GOP with Donald Trump still having such influence. And even if he's not on the ballot in 2024 because the chicken nuggets finally catch up to him or he decides not to run. Um, he's still such an influence and so many candidates are falling in his path. But at the same time, there's this strong lunatic progressive wing of the democratic party that is battling for control that i don't feel comfortable identifying as a democrat either i would love to see a viable third party and you look at issues where if you talk to normal people not the talking heads on cable news not the angry people with a million twitter followers but the actual normal humans in your life like let's take the the really really scary contentious topic of abortion yep most people are not comfortable with the idea of abortion. It makes them sad. It makes them disgusted. It makes them upset. But they're also not comfortable with draconian laws that completely ban it. They're not comfortable with anything that puts additional burdens on women that are suffering infertility issues and miscarriages. They're not wanting to to criminalize these very private, tragic, you know, medical issues. Um, A a law that said treatment for ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages is absolutely positively allowed nationwide and abortion is allowed in these first couple whatever number of weeks, like somewhere where it is in Europe. And then after that, states can outlaw it like that kind of law would get a shrug and begrudging support from the majority of Americans, but you're not seeing things like that pass. You're seeing states like Texas and Missouri and the thing that the constitutional amendments that's on the ballot in Kansas and their primary today with very, very strict bans. You're seeing, you know, other, you know, on the, uh, the other extreme side, you're seeing liberal activists with messages like shout your abortion, which terrifies a lot of moderate voters and just brings yeah. them out. Um, you know, not seeing Like, again, this is one of the most contentious issues in American politics today. And the majority of Americans, regardless of political affiliation, when they're polled, they don't want it completely outlawed. They don't want a free for all for it. They're not completely comfortable with it. They don't want to put women in jail. You know, you can, a third party that actually nailed down the middle core consensus on Jews might have a chance if they have a clear platform and a charismatic, known leader to be the face of the party. And I don't see that from what Andrew Yang's put together.
0: And while I agree a hundred percent with everything you said, and, and, you know, we just did an episode on, on this program about the abortion issue and and specifically how much I think there is far more of a national consensus than we have been led to believe. And and Roe versus Wade was, a, 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 a thing that safeguarded it, it, basically it, it, it kept a thing in place and nobody wanted to really deal with it. The pro-life, uh, uh, side fundraised, uh, and, and voted in these low turnout elections to put these draconian laws in place. Meanwhile, Roe versus Wade protected things like third-term abortions, which are historically very unpopular when you actually poll for it. Uh, uh, there is a huge, uh, space here, but Regardless of where you are intellectually, and certainly that's where people in the media love to talk about because we can talk about ideas endlessly, what a political party really is, what a Dem- what the Democratic Party, what the Republican Party really is beyond a set of ideas, because those are transient, is they help you win elections either through brand value or money. That is what matters about a political party. So whenever we get it, you know, look, if Andrew Yang wants to write another book and, and he wants to be able to go and he wants to run for president again, that's fine. You don't have a party Unless you are able by brand value and money to help other people win. And that's what befuddles me about the the, the forward party is that he's out there effectively campaigning for your old boy, Evan McMullen, who's running again as an independent in, in Utah against Mike Lee with the backing of the Let's Democratic see, Party. But it's like, yeah, he's not yeah. in the forward party. So what what are you doing?
1: It's it's all very weird. And like, I'm not I'm not affiliated with Evan's current campaign at all. So I, I haven't spoken in a while. I don't have any inside knowledge on this, but it is unique what he's doing in Utah that he's a known name, having yeah. been from there and run there before. And, you know, we, we had for a brand new candidate that had like 130 some Twitter followers when I joined the campaign. Um, he's got solid name recognition in Utah and the fact that the Democrats were willing to say, yeah, we can't win anyway. So okay, fine. Um, you know, it's it's a very unique situation. But like again, like Evan at least has some sort of brand that he's fiscal conservative, that he's not liking Trump. There's there's a branding to it. I don't know what the forward party is. And you know if you and and even with Andrew Yang having run for president before, if you poll people, they might be aware of him as a candidate, but if you said, what does he do? Like, what is his resume before he was a political guy and before he was on Twitter? Um, you know, that's, yeah. I, you know, I, and, and again, I, I don't want, I don't want another Donald Trump being our president again. I don't think we're served well, by electing reality TV stars and the idea of president, anybody Kardashian makes me want to go vomit. (laughs) Um, I mean, kudos for Kim for getting her law degree and being a criminal justice reform advocate. Like it's like the one shining light in that like absolute sprawling circus of a family. I, I will endlessly praise her for that. And like, pinch my nose at everything else they do um
0: i by by the way by the way this 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 is one of my long-running takes here on the show is that i do think she's going to run for president and you'll know that it's beginning when she writes the book about being a mother because i think that she's more naturally inclined on the republican side
1: yeah oh yeah no she's 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 going to run for office at some point probably senator president and uh, there's a non-zero chance she wins so i'm sure somebody will dig up this clip and you know, bring it up then. And that's fine. Um, you know, I stand by what I say. I don't want a president Kardashian. Never, Um, never,
0: never Kardashian for Sarah Rump.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, then again, you know, you look at, look at Matthew McConaughey's advocacy. And of course he gets in the news when he talks about politics because he is Hollywood actor Matthew McConaughey, but he's focused that on specific issues. His comments after the Uvalde shooting As a hometown boy. He wasn't up there as Hollywood celebrity. He was there as a boy from Uvalde whose heart hurt. Yeah. And that was genuine and that was real. Jon Stewart's advocacy for 9-11 first responders and veterans is real and sincere. I see a lot of BS in these different stories I cover and the different political critters. Um, Somebody with that kind of celebrity who has an issue that they feel in their heart and they're sincere about and and they have been a strong advocate for that issue, that's the kind of thing that you could build a third party around and then attach some sort of clear bullet pointed type of issues. Um, it would have to be, and again, like I, I know I just named two celebrities, it's it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to get some kind of name recognition. I mean, e- Elon Musk has, has got such polarizing opinions on either way, whether people are like psychotically obsessed fanboys or people that think that he's like the most, you know, evil thing that's ever happened to the, to the United States. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, there's, there's gotta be some sort of name recognition. It can't be just, I mean, you know, look before, before the, the independent group that, that organized Emma McMillan's presidential campaign, they were looking at David French, who somebody I know and adore and respect greatly, but guy who writes for national review is known within a yeah. small segment of political nerds and not, a, and not a household figure. Um, at this point with, American politics being so TV driven and social media driven, it would have to be a recognizable name.
0: Well, I, I, I do think that at the very least, you need to know how to get attention. And maybe okay. that is something that is of our modern world, where in the year 2022, if you know how to get attention, you're probably making your living online, because if you know how to get attention, you can make money online. That, that is its own cottage industry. So an influencer is oh God, probably 20 somebody years-
1: we're twenty years away from an OnlyFans presidential campaign, aren't
0: we? Well, you know, you know what's funny. I that that is the thing that I was like, I was like, you know, at a certain point, I was like, I was looking at like the scaling up of the internet in college. I'm like, I'm gonna live to see a Supreme Court nominee with a leaked sex tape. Like before I die, somebody's going to be appointed to the Supreme Court that had a leaked sex tape, uh,
1: without question.
0: But but yeah, no, I, I do think that that understanding what moves people matters in politics. If we're going to look back at Ross Perot, who I think unquestionably is the gold standard for a independent, uh, a political figure, somebody for whom you know still wound up doing the best that any independent candidate has ever did, and he disbanded his campaign because he said the CIA had infiltrated it uh, uh, halfway through. So- if he
1: had not, if he had not put the pause button on his campaign and basically committed campaign suicide. Yeah. Essentially. Like he might, like, he might've gotten a lot closer. There were, there there's there's a non-zero chance he could have won.
0: There, there were polls, yeah. uh, uh, that showed him, that showed him winning in, in the summer. Now they're a summer poll, but like, still, I think, I think it, it is, it is more realistic than people think about it, but He was laser focused on his issues. He was for his era a very compelling media figure. Giant
1: sucking sound, pulling (laughs) the money out of the U.S. economy. I mean, I was, I was still, I was still a kid, and I remember those ads and him on TV with his little little Texas voice and his little charts. Oh, they're they're still on YouTube. Giant sucking sound. <laughs> like, and he'd wave his hand so i was like, I, I, crazy, but-
0: I went back and watched one of them uh, of uh, about a year ago, and uh, you know, it's just it's so uh, like it's it's so weird that it had to be weird then it would probably be a play about the same now. It doesn't feel dated. It just feels odd that this. You know, spry, super energetic old oil man with this weird voice is is quoting Cicero uh, while he goes through uh, uh, all of these little charts. And he's bought out. I think it was like the the the, the three, the same block of, of time on the three major uh, networks, which is like among the only ads and that he did. And
1: watched. Yeah, because why watched not? And they talked about it. It's so wild. Yeah.
0: But it's like, all right. So for him. He was laser focused on on a few issues. He was very definitional of why he was not the other candidate. And he was steadfast and and religious in his belief that he should be on that stage. And that's something that I feel like in our modern conversation about third parties. I don't see that. I, I see a lot of people that really want to argue about a small little club and, and the smaller the pie, the sharper the knives. And so that's what you see in the Green Party. That's what you see in the Libertarian Party. These people just stabbing each other on who's the most pure and who's taking it in, in, in the right direction. To me, the, the Libertarian Party candidate that was really rankled me was not Gary Johnson and his weird uh, 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 you know, pot zone out moment on, on MSNBC. It was Bill Weld Giving up on the ticket and and saying people should vote for Hillary Clinton in the final few weeks, because that to me, that is an unforgivable sin as a politician. When so many people have put so much time, effort and money, believing in you for you to sell them out is is absolutely disgusting. And and I I don't know. it, It seems like a lot of people playing at this idea that, boy, we should, boy, if these mean old uh, Republicans and Democrats would would, would get out of the way, then the world would be a whole lot better, wouldn't it, gang? When it's not like, no, win elections. If you win elections, one of two things will happen. Your ideas will be subsumed into the other part, into one of the two major parties, because candidates will replicate your playbook and just say, I'm him, but with the team you like. Or you will create a successful third party. And nobody
1: seems to want to do that, including Andrew Yang with this
0: kakamimi outfit.
1: I mean, there's a number of states where getting on the ballot as a third party is more viable. And there's a number of states where polling shows reception for independent candidates. Um, getting a serious contender to come close or actually win for Senate, Congress, or governor from one of those states would go a long way. Um, you get, you get a handful of like city council members and stuff that are libertarians here and there scattered around the United States. Um, but they're not getting above like single digits in any polls and any statewide races. Um, and you know, it's, and again, like I I keep going back to how like very, very frustrated I am because at the federal level, I've long believed that a a libertarian keep the feds out of it as much as possible is actually a recipe for overall better political satisfaction for more Americans. Let San Francisco be San Francisco. Let Texas be Texas. If you have the federal government regulating less of this stuff, spending less money on this stuff, I mean, you, you know, you every now and then you'll get. Various people that are mad about money that's being spent on different things, but we have been spending money millions of dollars researching shrimp on treadmills and, you know, the stupid things and, and highways to nowhere and, you know, all sorts of nonsense government projects and bureaucracies to study the bureaucracy of the bureaucracy that governs the bureaucracy that tells the states what to do with their bureaucracy. And maybe we could just not have the feds involved in that particular aspect of regulation and let the states do it. Um, but you still end up with the Libertarian Party putting forward these candidates that are, I mean, look, my own my own experience with Gary Johnson, I've met him briefly a number of times at various campaign events. And I actually, before Evan McMullen got in the race in that 2016 cycle, I had a chance to interview him by phone. Um, and I never published the interview because I, I had pitched it to his campaign as, hey, I'm writing for this independent site let's do an interview about how like people are frustrated with Trump and Clinton and how this is a good option. He was so incoherent in that interview and just (laughs) lost. Yeah. And I look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a super advocate of marijuana being like the cure for all ills. Like people act like it's some sort of magic vitamin that's completely harmless. Um, But he's not a great example for advocating for that drug because I know he's intelligent, but trying to get a coherent answer and trying to get him to stay on topic was darn near impossible. I think I still have the reporting somewhere. I couldn't figure out a way to write the article that would have been honest. And if I wrote it with an honest assessment of this man is nuts and has no business Being anywhere near the responsibility of being the janitor for the white house much less the person who sits behind the desk in the oval office it was going to like break a lot of hearts i didn't think he had any chance and i didn't feel like i didn't feel like i needed to be the one to personally like stab that knife into his back so i just didn't write the article um and the sad thing is is like He's still one of the more respectable people that they put forward because for all of he's
0: election-induced—he—he won an election,
1: yeah. He's won a statewide election, and I also don't believe he's malicious like that. That Austin guy, what's his name? Um, there was a like a second runner-up to like Gary Johnson for the like—he's a lunatic who like openly like cavorts with people that are pretty extreme online, like he went after me I one don't time calling me I don't, I don't, a I don't Nazi. Well, I mean,
0: we've already gone too like, far into talking about the libertarians because like, to be totally honest, yeah. I, I just, I just, I, I have no patience. I have literally no patience for them in, in, in their, their so inability to, well, just, I, I, I just don't like many of my friends are either libertarians or people who have libertarian leanings. I very much am sympathetic to, to the philosophical point of view, but as far as the party goes, it's a bunch of people deciding how many people could deregulate the head of a pin. Like, like it it is, it is, it is the the worst element of navel gazing that has nothing to do with what I think is important in politics, winning elections. Call me a crazy lunatic, but maybe winning elections is a good idea if you're a political party.
1: No, it's a bunch of stone philosophers with an occasional excursion into white supremacy. Like so many of the state libertarian no, I mean, party geez. candidates have, like, tweeted things. Like, it's just ugh. anyway, the whole party I, needs to burn me to the ground, it, start like, over. It, look, it, <laughs> it,
0: in 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 hell, in the worst circles of hell, I I hope to sentence my my worst enemies to asking a libertarian what a libertarian is, and letting that go on for eternity. <laughs> Uh, because nice, it is nice. it is one of the most interminable things ever. Uh, uh, so anyway, going back going back to the forward party and uh, 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 wrapping up here. Do yeah. you think like all right? So let's say we were charting the way forward for forward, and 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 we were to say, okay, we're in charge now. This is what we would do. What would we tell them?
1: They need to look at decades of polling research and narrow in on the core issues that Americans actually give a crap about and define where they are in a way that gets a big, beautiful Venn diagram with a big, fat middle part. Yes. (laughs) For those of you that don't remember elementary school. That's where you have most people agree, whether they're from a general Democrat leaning or Republican leaning, get, get where a lot of people are overlapping. Get some core issues, not 27 of them, like five or six, define yes. the position, define specific promises that are smaller, tangible goals under each one of those core issues and get somebody who is a known name. And a charismatic, telegenic person to be the face of the party. They so don't Yang, necessarily have it. to. Things ar- not it. I, I bear the guy no ill will, but he is not. He is not.
0: Okay. So you He's would not. say, all right, and you, he does, you, you, know. need, you need a face. Uh, uh, where are we aiming our cannon? Is it is it Congress? Do, we, do, you, do you want a congressman first? Do you want a statewide race, a governor, a senate? Or do you just run for president?
1: I would love to see someone attract real funding from these millionaires and billionaires that say they want to make America better. Yeah, <laughs> And you, you can, you can fund a, you can fund state legislative candidates for five or six figures. You can fund state state congressional races for half a million to a million find some good districts that are moderate districts run members of congress run key legislative you know run several dozen legislative races around the country um, in open seats run governor and senate candidates um, taking the money that you would spend on a presidential campaign let's say let's say a Ross Perot type wants to run for president yeah. if he instead took all of that money and put it towards recruiting identifying giving media training <laughs> and providing competent Um, consultants and advisors to a core of legislative, congressional, Senate, and presidential candidates for this upcoming, you know, next cycle. Um, then, you know, you probably, it's, I I just, I don't see anybody that can be a, a 2024 presidential candidate necessarily, but you get a couple of those people elected in the 2024 cycle. And then in 2028, you, you, one of them is your presidential candidate.
0: I'm um, I'm I'm with you, and I would even say uh, uh, take that list of five that that you drafted and and make it one, and 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 run on a thing initially that is the most popular that gets the biggest thing. This is this is what drives me, drives me nuts, and this is a journalism rule, but show don't tell. If if you if you say yeah. these parties are extreme, these parties are extreme, these parties are extreme, you're telling me a thing. If you show by saying, "Hey, you all agree with this thing I'm saying," the Democrats wouldn't do it, the Republicans wouldn't do it. You are explaining in a much more visceral and emotional way exactly the point you're trying to make without it just being empty rhetoric where you're rallying your increasingly dwindling Twitter following. So uh, I think I think we have solved third parties and the the forward party. Good job, Sarah Rumpf of Mediaite. Are, are you working on anything or, or uh, publish anything you want to direct people to?
1: Um, I, well, speaking of billionaires, um, if you didn't see that CNN special on the Texas billionaires that have been funding um, some of the political activity, I recommend that you check it out on CNN's website. I wrote a synopsis of it with some clips and my own personal experience on mm-hmm. um, with the, Austin political scene and dealing with some of these personalities. Um, and I'm still digging into some of the uh, Disney Reedy Creek stuff because amusingly, um, Governor DeSantis's answer on the whole thing is, oh, I've got a plan and uh, yeah, I'll tell you after the election. Um, meanwhile, the actual laws on the books... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> are going to create a massive problem with real consequences. So I, we spoke about that before. Um, mm-hmm. There is no plan. He does not have a plan. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm getting into do, doing some more research on what exactly the consequences of this thing will be. Um, so stay tuned.
0: We shall see. Uh, uh, go ahead and follow yeah. Sarah on Twitter. Where do they find you there?
1: Uh, my last name's Rumpf. That's R-U-M-P-F. And so there was a rap song that came out in the nineties by a very <laughs> beloved group called Rex and effects. Um, so, yeah, so that was an immediate nickname whether I wanted it or not. And, you know, like, like I said, you know, you had a funny last name, you roll with it. So, um, Rumpf shaker is the Twitter handle and, um, you go. know, come follow me there and, uh, Yeah. Don't be annoying. Um, I'll block you if you are. And uh, yeah. So and if there are any millionaires or billionaires listening that would like to come up with this one to five core issue campaign, uh, give me a call. Happy to help.
0: Uh, And of course, uh, as we do for all of our guests, if you want to follow them on Twitter, you can always go to px3guest.com in the following few days before or after we release the episode. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Again, if you'd like to go follow Sarah Rumpf, our guest today, on Twitter, you can find it at letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. If you'd like to send me an email, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, it is px3 tweets. You can find me live on the internet on twitch at px3live.com. I've got a new thing out on Substack. I wrote a lot over my vacation. I'm going to try and write more. I'm not going to promise anything, but I really enjoyed doing it. I really enjoyed publishing it. You can find it at px3newsletter.com. The free political newsletter is, at least for this week, back. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy at px3podcast.com. Now, if you'd like to support the show monetarily, you can do so with a one-time donation to any of the following options. Paypal.me slash jury, Venmo is justin-young-20. On Cash App, it is px3cash. And of course, you can send anything that you'd like in the mail physically. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas 78715. Thank you to everybody who has sent stuff while I was, while I was gone, went to go pick everything up and, uh, uh, greatly appreciate the, uh, the postcards. One came in from Idaho, love Idaho. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. And the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 $10 tier. MC Radio. unsafe DB level. Katie, Amanda, Yeo Pinball Shop. DP4 Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, V Guard. Persons familiar with the matter and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. Dr. G, Neil Patel. Charles, Darren, Idris, Bluefront, and the Lanina. DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Terran and Diana Shrill Shrieks. Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief, Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot. Middle-aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted. Utah Jimmy Montana. The Gen A-L-D-L-D-L. D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. You want your name read there, you head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Friday's edition of the program, we will see the glorious and amazing return of Kevin Ryan. We will also continue to look at some of the battleground states, specifically in the big holy trinity of Pennsylvania, which we covered today, Ohio, and Georgia. They are coming up on The next few episodes. Also, we will be in Wyoming, not next week, but the week after that, to witness the fall of the House of Cheney. Indeed. Is this the end of Liz? We're gonna be in Cheyenne seeing the vibes. And I'm gonna stay there over election night. So I'm gonna gonna try to be at the Hageman victory party if, if it looks like that, or the or the Cheney Victory Party. But I'm kicking it Wyoming style in two weeks for you guys. Till then, I had a couple shows. But until those shows, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young returning back to Austin and reminding you. Now some shows talk about politics others talk about politics and still more discuss politics but this is the only show that dares discuss our three.